You are now listening to the Doula Road Trip Podcast. My name is Jarielle and I am a certified doula. After a quick and unsuccessful start in the birth industry over six years ago, I am returning in order to turn my passion into my career. In this show, I am going to share with you my journey and my hope is that we together can start up and stay up doing the work that we absolutely love. This podcast will be a resource, it will be a tool, and it will also be a point of reference for you as you start your journey into birth work. I want to share everything that I wish I knew before I started and answer some frequently asked questions that constantly pop up in birth work even now, six years later. I would love for you to be able to find inspiration, to find community, and to also be encouraged that the work that you love can absolutely be the work that you do for the rest of your life if you want. So let's go ahead and get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Doula Road Trip Podcast. I am super duper excited today because today we get to talk about business and business formation. And so I had to bring in a CPA because one, I want you to get factual information (laughs) from an expert that you can actually use in order to start your business and make sure that it is on a solid legal foundation, right? Because that's so important. So I will allow our special guest, Courtney, to introduce herself. Courtney, tell everyone a little bit about you, who you are, and what you do. Hello, everyone. Thank you again so much for having me, Jerielle. My name is Courtney Arrington, and I am a certified public accountant. I am based out of Virginia, but I um, I offer virtual accounting services. So I have a virtual accounting practice called Arrington Solutions, where I help the social media influencer, as well as the solopreneur. I also have a YouTube channel called The Accounting Struggle and Blog, where I kind of aim to help new accountants who are just entering the accounting field, just helping them get acclimated into their career. Courtney, why accounting, right? Like what were you doing before you became an accountant and why was that so attractive to you? Because numbers like scare me, especially like in the financial space. And you could be like dealing with like such tough subjects when you're dealing with people's Mm -hmm. businesses and also the law. So like what gave you the courage to really hop into that and what made that field attractive to you? Definitely never found accounting attractive. Um, (laughs) It's funny because, okay, so right out of high school, I went straight into work. I was working in banking. I did that for a couple of years. And then in around 2008, everything kind of fell apart with the market. And I felt like I need to get a, like a good job. I need to get some more education um, because I'm, re- I'm going to be re-entering the job market with people who have better resumes than me. So I started to go to school online and I was going to school for fashion merchandising because that was kind of more my personality. I thought I was going to be the Black Lauren Conrad. <laughs> and I... Um, I even took a job at Nordstrom. I was working there as like a personal stylist and just kind of um, working in retail for a while. And then the online school that I was going to, they pretty much just shut down. Um, It was one of those for-profit universities. I hate to say scam, but it was very scammy. 
very scammy. <laughs> so I ended up having to um, start over and I went and I enrolled at a state university. So I went to Virginia Commonwealth University. I did my um, major in business because I still wanted it to be business oriented. I didn't know what my focus was going to be. I just kind of entered as general business and all business students do have to take accounting. So as soon as I got into my intro to accounting class, I was like, Ooh, this is good stuff. Wait a minute. <laughs> you know, this is kind of important. So I never thought that I would be like an accountant. But I was like, okay, I know I'm going to run my own business one day. I'll need to know this stuff. So maybe I'll major in accounting. That way I'll be able to have like the knowledge and the expertise in it. And then I can just use it in my own business. That was kind of my mindset going into it. But as I kind of worked my way up and saw how broad accounting was, it's so much more than just tax. Of course, people straight, you know, people mm -hmm. go straight to tax, but you know, there's right. auditing, there's financial accounting, managerial accounting, cost accounting, like it just, the list goes on and on and on. And mm -hmm. I just found it really riveting, but not in a like, not from a career point of view, it's not marketed in a way that's like sexy or interesting. It never is. It's always like the old bald guy with like all the stacks of papers on his desk and it's it's not like yeah. a cool person. So I definitely wasn't growing up thinking I would be an accountant. It just kind of found me and I, I really liked it. I thought it was important. So I decided to focus on it. And then right out of college, I did um, a tax internship. And from there, I was like, okay, I want to lock in with tax. So I worked at a CPA firm for a couple of years, then transitioned into corporate and did that for a couple of years. And then I started my own business. And so that's what I'm doing now full time. Love it. Okay. So you definitely had like a windy and twisty journey to, oh, yes. get to accounting. I love it. Okay. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. So I want to know, like you have like gone into your own business full time and you also work with a lot of solopreneurs. Like, what do you think is some of the mistakes that people make as it pertains to starting a new business and accounting um, and just really setting up like a good solid financial like background for mm -hmm. themselves as a brand new business owner? I think the biggest mistake that I see is people not understanding that everything to do with your accounting is something that has to happen at the inception of your business. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that's optional and it's not something that you wait until you your business is making a certain amount of money to do. I think that a lot of people have this misconception of, oh, my business isn't big enough for that yet, or I'm just getting started. And so they kind of just like, I'm going to just thug it for a year or two. And then, you know, when I'm making money, I can kind of reach out to an attorney and to an accountant and to all these professionals when really those services are things you have to be doing from the beginning. It isn't something that's optional. You're costing yourself a lot more money by trying to go back and do it. And so um, accounting is the foundation. It's the language of business. So it really is at, at the core of every type of business it doesn't matter what your business is if you are your business and you're you're your brand even then if you're making money it needs to be accounted for in a you know a certain type of way and if you don't know how to do that you should be consulting a professional from the very beginning Oh, okay. So that's good to know because I do feel like I thought the same thing, like accounting and getting a lawyer and stuff like that. It's like, you could just start with stuff on Google or whatever, and then come back to it and correct it if it's wrong later. So let me ask you this. What are some of the things that brand new entrepreneurs should be coming to accountants in order to do? Because a lot of people may just think like, 
I'm thinking that I need an accountant for like tax season. So that Mm -hmm. would require that I've taken money from people, right? And Mm -hmm. that I have to pay taxes. So now I need to go to an accountant in order to get that together. So if we're starting at the beginning, we don't have any money. We're not thinking about taxes. So what should we be thinking of? Well, the first thing you want to be doing is just determining if you want to be acting as a sole, um, a sole proprietor or if you need to go ahead and establish like an LLC. Um, and if you do, the really the only difference there, that's legal stuff. So that's really nothing to do with tax. As far as the IRS is concerned, if it's just one person on your LLC, that's the same as a solo person anyway. There, You file that on your individual return. But from a legal perspective, limited liability, like if you're doing some type of business where you're exposed to being sued a lot, Uh, maybe you're feeding people or you know doing hair or something like that then you want limited liability so if you need that then you want to set that up with your state and that's a part of business formation so that's something that an accountant or either an attorney could do for you Um, it is going to vary from state to state what the requirements are and because of that doing a simple google search or doing legal zoom can sometimes steer you wrong they'll tell you a lot of people on the internet will tell you oh set it up in delaware or do this or do that and there's a lot of other information that's missing from that Google search. So even if all you do is you have this business idea in the beginning and you're like, I want to start a business. I want to start working. I haven't made money yet. The first thing you should do is at least go and do a consultation with someone who is a professional who can tell you for tax purposes, you'll need to set it up this way. Or, you know, for, for legal purposes, you want to set it up this way. And here are the steps. And if that's all you do with them in the beginning, that's perfectly fine. But you want to be doing that in the beginning before you actually go out and start doing the business. So people say that you want to set up a LLC or a limited liability company because of the fact that it separates your personal assets from your business assets. And if you are sued, like people can't come after your personal stuff. So I just want to clarify with you if that is actually true. And then two, when you're assessing your liability or if someone may or may not have the capability to sue you, right, based on how involved you are, would you think that businesses or services where you are going into people's homes or where you are um, interacting with people on a one-on-one basis, like for instance, as a postpartum doula, you are in someone's home, you're caring Mm -hmm. for them, you're caring for their baby. As a labor doula, you may actually be meeting with people in their home and then actually like doing massages and different things like that in order to make Mm -hmm. them comfortable. So it's very close, like person-to-person contact and also going inside of people's homes. Would you think that that would mean that we are at a bigger risk for potentially being sued and then also needing to protect ourselves from that exposure. Yeah, absolutely. I think anyone, anytime you're doing a business where if you mess up, it could cost someone either their their safety or their health, or it could cost them a lot of money. That's kind of like the gauge of, okay, maybe I need to protect myself with limited liability. There are some people who are in a business where they aren't really doing anything that's very risky, so they can just operate under their own name, their own social, it's no big deal. But if they, um, if you're going to be a doula or something like that, for sure, you want to have that limited liability. The thing about kind of protecting yourself and whether or not that's true, just to clarify. So yes, it does offer you, an LLC does offer you that protection protection or that separation from yourself as an individual. However, that's only from a legal perspective, not from a tax perspective. And the key to that is there's this concept called the corporate veil. 
And so the corporate veil is kind of like a barrier between the corporation and you yourself as an individual and all of your assets. Now, where people mess up, and this is where accounting comes in, is they don't separate their individual finances from their business finances. So they will have everything going into one account. They will use their business credit card for booking personal, you know, family trips. They will just kind of mix everything or co-mingle funds. And when you co-mingle funds, you pierce the corporate veil, meaning now now that limited liability protection that you thought you had is really not going to hold up because the IRS or whoever is looking at this case is going to say, well, I mean, you got all the money kind of going in and out. So how can we really say that they're two separate entities when they're not? Everything's all mixed up. So that's really going to be the key to being able to actually have your LLC mean something. So if you have everything commingled together, your LLC really isn't offering you the limited liability protection that you think it may be. So that's a really big, important part is having proper um, accounting records and having everything separated out. Oh, okay. That's good to know because I had no idea about that at all. Okay. So when um, we're thinking about like setting up an LLC, I have to admit that I just went on my secretary of state's website and just paid like the hundred dollars that they charge for the state of Ohio. I got the certificate. I went on the irs.gov website and got an EIN number and I pretty much stopped there. I waited like a whole, maybe like two years before I actually opened up like my business bank account with um, the credit union, Navy Federals, who I actually opened mm -hmm. it up with. So I probably should have done that way, way sooner. <laughs> and it really didn't take long. I don't know why I didn't. I just didn't think that it was like that important. And I kept putting it off. And then COVID kind of happened. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll wait. And then eventually I did do it. So that is good to know. But I just wanted to know, like, do you really think that other people really need to step in in order to file the LLC for you because it is something that you do have access to do as an individual if you have access to your secretary of state's website so I guess like what's the importance of having a lawyer or a CPA set the LLC up versus the individual if you could do it online well, if it's just a solo business and it's something you are doing by yourself, nobody's going to be involved on it with you. It is something that you can do online. The steps you took are not incorrect. So going to the state corporation commission and, you know, going to the IRS website, getting your EIN number, um, all of that stuff is correct. But you don't, if you don't have an attorney or someone to draw up like your, um, your article, your um, operation agreement, some states require that you have an operating agreement. Some states don't. If you have multiple people, though, on your LLC, say it's going to be three of you, now it's not just a single member LLC, it's an actual partnership. So there should be an operating agreement that says how revenues are to be, you know, split, how um, income should be split, how what, what everybody's responsibilities are. And without that agreement, a lot of legal issues can happen. So that's the whole point of having someone set it up with you in the beginning. And then the other thing is... Um, some states, if you are doing a professional service, like if you're a nurse or something that's under like a state board, you may have to file a PLLC, which is a professional limited liability company. So an LLC by itself may not be what you need. So that's the whole purpose of kind of consulting a professional in the beginning before you go setting it all up on your own, because you may later find, darn, I set up the wrong thing. And now I can't simply change the name. It's like I have to dissolve this company and like form a new company. So it can get kind of costly. 
costly if you make mistakes. So that's the whole purpose of saying, you know what, I'll just pay the consultation fee and just kind of go over what I'm looking for. And you tell me if that's right or not. And if they offer like an additional service where they can set it up for you, then that's fine. But I think the benefit is really that everything varies from state to state. These are not federal. So that's kind of the reason why you want to consult a professional. Let me ask you this, Courtney, is it like a checklist that people can get depending on what state they live in for like the things that they would need in order to set up a legal business in that state? And then they can kind of just take that checklist with them to the consultation and ask questions about the things that may be in front of them that they haven't got to yet or questions that they didn't know to ask, because that's the only thing like when you're stepping into something for the first time, right? You don't know what you don't know. So like you're showing up to the consultation, they're telling you all this stuff and you're like, okay. And then you're like, well, I don't know if that's everything I need or Mm -hmm. like, what questions do I, should I ask? I don't really know. Like, so if there's something that people can just kind of have just to be prepared and go into that conversation, that's a little bit more like um, knowledgeable about what's ahead of them. Um, There isn't like an actual checklist per se that I can reference or direct anyone to. I'm sure Google has, you know, made some checklists and things like that, or Pinterest probably has some, but some of the key things to be considering is um, the number of people that are going to be involved in your business. Is there any legal stuff that needs to be written up about that. And I would also look at the structure of your business from a tax perspective, based on what you project your business to be doing financially over the next few years and what your overall plan is for the next few years. I would ask about what is the best taxing structure for me? Because when you don't do anything, it just kind of automatically defaults, especially if you're a single member LLC, it just automatically defaults to you file this on a schedule C with your individual tax return. But if you have multiple members, a lot of people don't realize this. Oh, it's like, oh, me and my three friends, we started a LLC, we got it going, we're doing party promoting, and that's great, but they don't realize now they have an actual partnership. So they have to file a totally separate return. They have to have certain record keeping. They have to have an operating agreement. There's all these other things. So if you don't know what you don't know, I think the best thing to do is to ask, well, since it's this many people, what do I need to know? And what do I need from a legal perspective? And what do I need to know from a tax perspective? So I think that's probably the best start. What do you think about um, having like multiple like business accounts in which you separate different things out? I don't know if you've ever uh, like read the book or heard about the book Profit First, where like they Mm -hmm. encourage you to have like a few different accounts and to have like taxes put in one account, business savings put in one account. And then like the account that you're going to use to pay business bills is like another account. And people saying like a rough rule of like to put like 30% in like your tax account. That way, if you do have to pay taxes, you already have it and you're not like scrambling trying to find that money. So I would love to know what you think about number of accounts you need to have and percentage to put Mm -hmm. away for taxes. Hey, doula, are you enjoying this week's episode? Are you ready to begin your journey into birth work? If so, then I'm inviting you to check out my free training by texting the word doula to the number 216-616-3269. Again, that's 216 216- 
616-326-3269. This training will support you in identifying the vision you have for your doula career. It'll give you the three clear steps you need to take to begin your journey into birth work. And it will also help you avoid the common missteps that can cost you time and money. This training is perfect for anyone who wants to get started as a doula and wants the roadmap for making their dream a reality. By the end of this training, you will have a plan to finally birth your dream of becoming a certified doula. The best part is that this training is absolutely free. Free 99, okay? Plus it includes exclusive bonuses that I don't share anywhere else online. So go ahead and sign up today by texting the word doula to 216-616-3269. And the link is also in the description of this episode. I cannot wait to see you there. All right, let's go ahead and hop back into the show. Absolutely. Everything you said um, with the profit first method, I do think that, you know, making sure that you pay yourself is important because number one, why else are you even doing this? A lot of people are starving artists the first few times. They see the revenue, which is the money coming in, but they don't really consider the fact that there's not much left for them to live off of. So I think having an account where you automatically reserve, here's how much it is for me, for myself to be paid. Here's what I'm going to have to pay in taxes. That's so critical because a lot of people are making a lot of good money and then they're like wait I gotta pay how much because they haven't reserved anything so it's just collecting it all and not putting anything aside so if you have an account that is separated just for taxes I think 30 to 35 percent is more than enough usually of course it varies depending on your business and all the you know different factors but I think that's a good rule of thumb is setting aside around 25 to 35 percent and putting that into that account so that each quarter you can at least have something already the worst thing is when you have to come up with 15 or 20 thousand dollars and you have nothing put away um so yeah it's definitely that. And then I think having a separate account for savings as well. And then um, you want to have that com completely different from your operating account, just because if everything's going into one account, it's going to look like you have enough to pay everything. But if you haven't, if you can't see kind of what everything is reserved for, you don't realize how fast that's going to be kind of divvied up and it, it's going to go a lot faster than you realize. So it's helpful to have separated accounts for different purposes. Absolutely. Okay, awesome. I wanted to ask you too about just the way in which that people um, begin to keep records, right? And the things that you can deduct, because I feel like as a first time entrepreneur, like when you work from home, right, it's mm -hmm. hard to figure out like, what things I'm using for me personally, that are also being used for business that could be like, the same thing. And then that could be different. For instance, I'm putting gas in my car. Now, am I going to my client's house to do postpartum visits? I am. Am I going to my client's house to do prenatal visits for birth? I am. Am I also going like grocery shopping and to get my hair done and my nails done? I am. So then it's like, okay, so then it's gas and expense that I can really do for business if I'm doing business and personal, as well as things that come up with car maintenance. So mm -hmm. I just would really love your thoughts about like how to really keep solid records and then what what can you put in what bucket as far as like things that you can deduct or put on your business debit or credit card? 
So the, the key to tax savings and doing all of that is really having solid bookkeeping and great records. Um, if you try to wait until April or March and you're sitting down to do your taxes and then they're saying, oh, did you have any mileage? And you're just everything at that point, you're trying to go back and look at it or guesstimate. That's when you really leave a lot of money on the table because there's always going to be things that you've paid for throughout the year that you just haven't kept record of, you don't remember. So you want to be tracking this stuff all the time like throughout the year and looking at it every month at least. Um, so when it comes to tax deductions or things that are tax deductible, if you're not sure if you can deduct something, I would say it's better to hold on to the receipt or the record and not be able to deduct it than to say, oh, I don't know if I can deduct it and just not have the record. So you want to be making sure you have all of your receipts. I always suggest using a receipt app or some sort of method where you collect um, maybe you take your receipts and you take a picture of it and you email it to like myreceipts at gmail.com. You just have like a separate place to keep all of your receipts. You want them to be digital because, you know, receipts, the paper fades over time. So you definitely want to be doing that. If you do drive, if you use your car for business, then mileage or the other expenses will be deductible. It's not both. So if you are, let's say you have a lot of, um, parking and tolls or, um, you know, maybe you deliver something. So you're, you're getting, you have to get repairs all the time. So you can either do that method or you can do the standard mileage method. Typically the standard mileage method is a little bit more advantageous because it's about 50, I think like 53 cents per mile. So if you've driven about 10,000 miles, you know, that's a pretty good deduction. It's like $5,300 if I'm doing the math right. So, um, a lot of people take that method so that way they don't they don't deduct the gas and all that but on your books you might go ahead and track both just so you know at the end of the year which one is going to be the most advantageous for you so um the thing about that though is like you said sometimes you're going to see a client sometimes you're going to get your groceries in that case <laughs> you want to make sure that you have a mileage record so you can use an app because no one is actually going to take the time to write it all down that's unheard of. But there are apps that you can run in the background of your phone. And every time you stop, it will say, hey, you just took a trip. Was that for a mile? Was that for a business or personal? And maybe you swipe right for business and, you know, left for personal. And so that way, you know, at the end of the year, how much you've driven. So it's already done for you. Um, and those are apps that you can get usually for like maybe $10 a month or so. I mean, you definitely want to pay for the, the software that's actually going to give you all the benefits. And even that would be a deduction. So anything that you are you need as a necessary or ordinary expense in your business, you want to use your business account to pay for that because it most likely will be deductible. Okay, love. Let me ask you this. Do you feel like a bookkeeper is somebody who we do need to consult with when we're thinking about starting our business along with a CPA? Like we should do both at the same time? Or do you feel like that's something that you really don't need if you have a CPA? Because I'm not really sure like what the different roles and responsibilities are for each person. I'm a CPA. I offer accounting services or bookkeeping services. That's one of the main offerings that I have in my business. So I can do that for you. And I'm always doing it with the mindset of, okay, taxes is something that I'm thinking about, as well as your just overall business performance. But then there are some people who are not accountants, but they do bookkeeping, which is like, basically, it's a little bit more clerical, but it's focused on the record keeping. So making sure everything is recorded. And usually if it's not a CPA, 
Oftentimes their rates may be even more reasonable. So if you are just starting out, you may want to go and consult with a bookkeeper. Or if they're if you're the type of person who understands, you know, you're really good at money management, you're pretty um disciplined at sitting down and taking care of it, then I would even do a tax software like QuickBooks or um, I think Gusto is one of them. There's a few different ones that you can use yourself. I like QuickBooks. That's what I use for my clients. But you can actually go through and manage your own bookkeeping using a software. It's just when you do nothing, that's when it gets really, really hard to, one, see how your business is even performing. But two, from a tax perspective, when it's time to do taxes, everything is a mess. So yes, I do think that people should be looking into bookkeeping at the very beginning of their business. Because if you wait and you come to me in year three of your business and you say, I'm ready to start doing bookkeeping it's not like those other years didn't happen so we still need those records so now it's it's still got to be done so it's not going to necessarily be cheaper so that's something to be thinking about um i would say if all you can start off with is just basic bookkeeping services whether that be with someone who's doing it for you or your own software do that even if the books are not perfect and pretty just make sure you have some type of record. And then when you're ready and more comfortable to move into a situation with like in a, a professional, you know, a CPA, then definitely take advantage of that. Let me ask you this. Uh, when you think about like preparing for tax season, like when should people actually start preparing for tax season, right? Because a lot of times we are last minute, right? And so we're looking up and we're like, OMG, like what month is it? Like, I think I was supposed to like do something with my taxes like weeks ago. And I have heard like a CPA tell me before, like um, we could really start talking about and preparing for things like months before January comes. So like- absolutely. Yeah, like I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't realize that. So then like, what is a good rule of thumb to kind of give yourself and your CPA time to prepare for the tax season if you do know you have things to get organized and you do want to be more prepared? Mm -hmm. So if you are, if you're doing your bookkeeping and that those records are being kept throughout the year, I like to meet with my clients quarterly because a lot of them, depending on your tax situation, you may be required to make quarterly estimated payments. It really depends on a lot of different things. If you, maybe you don't feel like you, you know, maybe you're not making that much money, but maybe you're high net worth because your partner or your spouse is making a certain amount of money and y'all typically owe, you know, there's all these different things that could impact your overall taxes. But you definitely don't want to wait until the following year to look at it and or to be thinking about it. You want to, if nothing else, in the last quarter of each year, maybe November, I would say in December, it's starting to get real busy for people. But in November is a good time to try and reach out to a CPA and just say, hey, you know, here's where I am. What should I be thinking about? Is there anything I should be gathering? Because that's also an opportunity for you to make any last minute contributions or tax strategies that could potentially save you money. If you've made all of this money and you have a high net profit in your business, there may be some things that you can still do. Now, once the year is over, what's done is done. We can't go back. So there is no more. You hear people coming to you in like March or April and they're like, well, what about, what about, can I write out, can I just buy a car and just write the whole thing off and all this stuff? And it's like, no, the year is over. It's done. We're done. All you can do is just pay at this point. So you definitely want to be meeting with a tax professional at least a couple times a year. Um, I like to, again, meet with people quarterly, but if you're not going to meet with them quarterly, say you don't think you are going to, oh, you never 
have a history of owing, your business isn't making that much money, then at least go and sit with someone in the fourth quarter of the year just to see where you are and what you should be doing. Okay, love. And let me ask you this, because we are talking about like solopreneurs and just starting out, like people may not know like how much it will cost in order to work like with a bookkeeper or an accountant. Like, is it something that people should like put like a $1,000 away in order to do? And I know that that may be like asking like the cost of a car. Of course, it would vary yeah. like depending on where you are and who you talk to. Um, but is it like a general rule of thumb? Like if somebody is charging you like $5,000, like that's absolutely too much and you may be getting over charge like is there like a range we can look at um I think a range for monthly bookkeeping it really is going to depend on what's included in that monthly bookkeeping if it's just a basic okay. reconciliation of your accounts and your activity and just categorizing everything you know no payroll no um no comparative analysis, no extra stuff. It's literally just like, here's everything. We recorded it for you. Here's what your business made. Then I think um, somewhere between maybe 250 and 450 a month, um, okay. you could expect to pay that with the bookkeeper. Some of them charge hourly, some charge a flat rate. And then if you're moving into more advisory type services, what is which is what I would offer, where we're really look, taking a deeper dive into the look at your business um, and looking at also with tax planning and tax strategy. So with something like that I usually start at around 550 per month for bookkeeping and again that's going to include a little bit more of a deeper dive so it's not just the account reconciliation it's a little bit more of like your overall business health mm-hmm. um but it again it really is going to depend if you have um I don't think that paying five thousand dollars a month is extreme for certain businesses if you are well mm-hmm. into the you know, multiple six figures a year, you have a ton of transactions, you have different locations, you have sales tax, you have all these moving parts, you have employees, then yeah, it is going to cost you a lot more money because there's a lot more to do. Right. So, um, but for a solopreneur, someone who just has, you know, a couple of accounts, a checking, a savings, a credit card, and they're just, you know, they're no employees. It's just them. Um, I think they could expect to pay somewhere between maybe 250 and 450 a month. Okay, awesome. And speaking of like getting paid and paying people, let me ask you this, because I know that this was a question that I had, like when I first started my business, like what is the proper way to pay yourself? Like, especially if you do have like a single member like LLC, because like um, some uh, some people have asked, especially when things came up with the PPP loan, I mm. hate to bring that up, but still, yeah. like when things <laughs> came up with the PPP loan, like they were asking, like, if you are paying yourself and if you are paying yourself, like, is it being like deducted? Like, are there deductions on like the checks that you're sending out? Right. So mm-hmm. like when you get a payroll check from like a corporate company, you see mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, all these things being taken out, state, federal taxes, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. So when you are like a solopreneur, um, a lot of times I know people have advised me to just write yourself a check right so you have your business bank account and you're making a check out to your legal name because you're paying yourself but I have no idea like how you would actually set up like quote unquote like corporate type of payroll and if that is necessary to do when you do have like a single member LLC and you're just starting out so I would love your input on that So if you have a single member LLC and you're just starting out, you don't want to, you don't actually run a payroll for that because a a company, um, a single member LLC cannot pay its owner and actually deduct those payments. So you don't need to, there's no need to run a payroll and running a payroll is going to be an additional cost. So what you would do instead is like you said, make a transfer. You can set it up on a recurring 
maybe weekly, monthly, bi-weekly, whatever you want to choose. Um, I think the key is just making sure it's around the same amount each time and around the same time each, you know, the same increments. So that way you're not just using your bank account like an ATM. So you want to set up a $1,000 transfer every week or something like that from your business account to your personal account. Um, and there's nothing to deduct or withhold. But once you move that money out of your business, because basically the taxes, they're gonna, you're going to be taxed on the profit altogether. So whatever your net profit is, that's your payroll. So you can take it or not take it, but the IRS is still going to say you made this money. So we're going to tax you on this money. So um I would set up a recurring transfer and that's all you have to do. You can write yourself a check or you can just transfer it into your personal account. Is there any other tips or advice that you have for people who are starting out as like solopreneurs when it comes to setting up a good foundation for their business, either legally or as it pertains to taxes or anything in pertaining anything in between that you may have advice on? Yeah, I think that um, if you are not at a place yet where you can really afford to pay someone on a monthly recurring basis, then I think you mm -hmm. have to go ahead and be disciplined to do your own bookkeeping. Because again, not doing anything is just simply not an option. And I feel like that's what a lot of people, they get overwhelmed and they just don't do anything. So go ahead and at least try and get a tax software. I mean, QuickBooks has monthly subscriptions as low as like maybe $35 a month. So I would recommend going, going ahead and getting that software. There's tons of YouTube channels that will help you with using it. I actually have a one-on-one -on -one training that I offer to people. It's 350. I sit down with you and I go over how to, I train you on how to use QuickBooks. So that way you can manage it yourself if you're not ready to commit to paying someone on a monthly basis. But I would highly recommend doing that. And then meeting with someone at the end of, before the year closes out. So at least uh, maybe like October, November to sit down and talk to a professional who does taxes. It doesn't have to be a CPA, but they should at least be an EA, someone who has credentials, who is a tax professional. So not just, you know, auntie that, is going to run your stuff through TurboTax, <laughs> not her, but like an actual tax professional and see what it is you, you may still need to be doing or considering from a tax perspective for that year. Those are like the two main things that I think people should do if they're just getting started. Okay, awesome. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for all of the tips and advice. It was absolutely awesome just to be able to talk with someone about starting a business, what to do and get some of the scary questions out of the way before you even like reach out that mm -hmm. way, you know, a little bit ahead of time, like what to have and what to expect. Um, tell everyone about your accounting firm. And also I found you on an incredible YouTube channel that I think people will find really valuable. And so I would love it if you would share with people about your YouTube channel too, and anything else you want share. Yeah, thank you. So yes, again, the name of my business is Arrington Solutions. I am helping solopreneurs as well as social media influencers. So if you are someone who is making money on social media, you're getting brand deals, sponsorships, you know, you're, you're monetizing your videos or your content, I definitely would love to help you. Um, there are a lot of things that are pretty nuanced about that type of business. So I would love to help you. Um, I offer both tax and accounting services. I am 
am very focused on accounting services. So the bookkeeping, the record keeping, making sure your business is profitable and making money throughout the year is really important to me. But of course, we have to talk about taxes because there's just no getting around that. Um, and then as far as, um, so that, I'm sorry, you can find that at ErringtonSolutions.com. And if you want to just go ahead and reach out to me, I'm happy to help you. Um, this is a great time to do it. While things are slow, there's not a lot of tax stuff going on right now. So I know it's not on people's radar, but it should be because blink twice and it's going to be here. Um, so then as far as the accounting struggle, if you go on YouTube and you type in the accounting struggle, you'll see a ton of videos of me uh, talking about just a career in accounting. So if you or someone you know is pursuing a, a career in accounting, if you're trying to work towards becoming a CPA, or if you know any accounting students or any accounting professionals who are kind of struggling to get started, I have a ton of content that I've created that will help walk you through kind of getting your yourself established in the business, different types of accounting um, roles and different types of things to know when you first get into accounting. So there's all types of good content there to help you through if that's someone that, you know, is looking for that information. Okay, awesome. And I'll put all of that information in the description. So don't worry if you missed it, just click the description. You'll be able to find um, the Arrington Accounting Firm information and you'll also be able to find the information for YouTube. Definitely connect with Courtney if you do have any questions. Again, this is July. So like she said, she's slower now. So this is the perfect time. Please don't reach out to anybody asking questions during tax season because they're super booked and busy and they don't have the time. <laughs> so definitely take advantage of the downtime. And Courtney, I just want to thank you so much for being a guest and for taking time out to share your knowledge and expertise. I really, really appreciate that. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. See you next week.